Freight train, freight train, going so fast. Freight train, freight train, going so fast. I don't know what train he's on. Won't you tell me where he's gone? Hello and welcome to episode 282 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson. And Bryson, it's about the bare minimum that the Blue Jays could do, but they take two of three from the Oakland Athletics. And there's one key silver lining to all of this. Bryson, how are you? I'm doing great, Mark. Uh, I'm proud to say that I was in attendance. I can't believe this is a ridiculous, but proud to say I was in attendance for Vladdy's first home run at home. <laughs> but then I was also in attendance for what happened in the ninth inning. Uh, that yeah. sucked. And I was not going to lie. I'm pretty sure many people were pissed off with that result. However, they recuperate throughout the weekend. They went two out of three and do not look now. They are currently in a wild card spot by half of a game, but they're in contention. Um, I guess this is something that we were always kind of talking about is regardless of their struggles, they have remained in playoff contention, even though it doesn't feel like they deserve it. They have lots of work to do still. There's no question about that. But I mean, series like this, nobody should be surprised other than this is something that a good team like the Jays should be doing. Unfortunately, they came up short because they should have swept this team. It's a triple A team. But I mean, I guess if you're selling from two out of three and where you sit right now, as much as there's still some games that were more winnable than not, I guess you'll take that, and of course, it's the start of a long nine-game homestand as they're enjoying an off day today, and then they have two more series as this homestand. So it's nice that they're going to be at home for the next couple of weeks. Right, the long Canada Day homestand where they have San Francisco coming up tomorrow, or probably today as you listen to this, for three games, and they also have the Boston Red Sox for three games before they head out on the road to finish up the first half of the season before the All-Star break. And yeah, like you mentioned, like that first game that got away from the Blue Jays is unbelievably frustrating, impossibly frustrating is a term that I heard used. I think it was Ben Nicholson-Smith who used that phrase. And yeah, that describes it. It was a terrible game for the Blue Jays to lose. And, you know, you and I came into this series predicting a series sweep. And that's kind of where the expectations were at for the Blue Jays. But again, taking two of three was the bare minimum. I still think you can look at this series as a success, especially because of who you mentioned, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hitting his first home run at home this season, kind of breaking out of a slump. And then he comes back Saturday and does it again. He ends the series, I think it was six hits. He had a couple doubles. He had a couple home runs. He had a bunch of RBI. Um, he blew the rest of his season numbers out in a three-game series. And that's really what we're pinning our hats on right now um, is Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s apparent return, or at least the return of his power. Um, what do you make of this series? Do you think we've seen enough to truly believe that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is back? It's a tough question because, I mean, even prior to the series – there were some signs here and there, but for the most part, there were no signs. I mean, there was lots of struggles, lots of strikeouts. And of course, I mean, if you want to be the optimist, you can look on the bright side and think maybe this was a team that this could start against in terms of hitting Oakland very well throughout this week. And you talked about it. I mean, it really looked like a lot of his play from early April. And then I guess, of course, flashes from 2021 when we saw him at his best in the major leagues. There was power, there was walks, there was home runs, there was extra base hits, everything about that. Uh, looked very similar to what we've seen from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But unfortunately, we understand that it has been inconsistent. There's been times where there's been 
base hits from him here and there, but no power. There's been times where he's been chasing at almost everything, and it's just been a wild season from him. There's a lot going on in his head. And I mean, for me personally, as much as I love to see it throughout this weekend, I need to see more. I need to see this happen more against a better team than the Oakland Athletics. I mean, there's no question that the Blue Jays are sad to see them go uh, throughout what happened throughout the weekend. And of course, I'm sure if they were to take another three games against them, they'd be the first to sign up. Um, unfortunately, that's not the case, though. So they, ne- I personally, for me, I need to see more. However, I think it was a really good start because... There's been tons of times where we've been saying, this is the start of it, this is the start of it, this is the start of it. And unfortunately, after that, nothing has transpired from that. So that's why I need to be careful again when I'm saying he's back because, of course, we've been in similar situations before where we've seen this from a couple of games and then he hasn't carried it over uh, throughout other series or just you know long-term throughout weeks or months. So that's why I need to see more. But I mean, you can tell um, after what happened on Friday night, that it just felt like for me personally, or just an opinion, is that once he got that first one out of the way, it felt like there were going to be other ones that were coming like no tomorrow. And of course, the next one came the next day. And I mean, both of them were crushed. Uh, If you go to Friday and Saturday's home run that he hit, they weren't just wall scrapers. He really crushed them. And you can tell on Friday night, he wanted that so badly. And he looked so relieved uh, when he was going around the bases, even when he was just walking, watching the ball go over the fence. So I think that was definitely a sigh of relief. The monkey's off of his back for sure now. Again, as much as it was great to see, it is still crazy that it took this long. I mean, there's no excuse for that, of course. The last time he hit a home run at Rogers Center was last September, and it was just, I mean, it happened all the way until June. And, of course, if this was going to be his homestand to do it, this was probably the best chance because of the fact that it is nine games. There was tons of opportunities for him. We understand that the Jays haven't been at home a lot consistently throughout the year, and now that they're getting these long home stands, it's finally catching up. It's finally balancing out. And even other than the home runs, I mean, he just hasn't played well offensively at home. Mark, you, you uh, a couple of weeks ago, you went over the stats or all the splits in terms of batting average all throughout in terms of his uh, hitting ca- categories. Want, and it has been close. Do you want me to give you another set of stats on where he's at give right Give me now? another set of stats. Or at least where he was before this weekend. Uh, this is not specific to his home numbers, but the 13, he went on a 13 game stretch where he didn't have a single extra base hit. That's a double, triple, or home run. Um, and that's going from June 6th against the Astros through the series against Minnesota, through the series in Baltimore, through the series in Texas, and then the first game against Miami on June 19th. 13 games without an extra base hit. So that kind of gives you an idea of where Vladdy was at before this weekend. And then there was the whole stat that we talked about a couple episodes ago where he had his first fly ball in 10 games, which is another crazy stat. So I like for me, it was just good to see him, you know, be loose and just play like the way that we've kind of predicted this. And we, we know the player he can be. It's just been frustrating because it hasn't been consistent. So I'm glad it was a start. Uh, throughout this weekend you talked about it he had a really good weekend even when he wasn't hitting uh, home runs he was getting on base multiple times I mean you look at Saturday a multi-hit game uh, when he went two for four and then of course he went two for three again uh, on Sunday so he was getting on base a ton of times and then I'm just it was a cool moment to be there for the first home run and there was an extra ovation I think the horn was going for a little bit longer too so they really kind of took this to heart in terms of just enjoying the moment when it happened I personally need to see more, and I think this is a great test to see, of course, the San Francisco Giants, as much as they're right beside the Oakland A's. This is a completely different baseball team who has been playing very good lately. And, of course, the last time the Blue Jays played the Red Sox, which is going to be the next series after that, we know what happened when they got swept at Fenway Park. So I think this is a good test coming up this week to see if he can continue this. 
by the end of the weekend, if he continues to play like this, I think I'm going to lean more on the fence that he is back. But for me, knowing the facts of the A's and everything like that, and even other than that, the only the fact that it's only been three games, I need to see more. I understand where you're coming from, especially when we talk about where the Oakland Athletics are this season. I mean, you talk about the quality of their pitching. They're basically the worst pitching team in baseball. Like, numbers-wise, they're kind of tied with Colorado Rockies, but you have to keep in mind the Colorado Rockies are pitching half of their games at home, a mile above sea level at Coors Field, and so I kind of discount any ERA numbers that you get from that. So automatically eliminating them, Colorado has a slightly worse team ERA than the Oakland Athletics do. If you eliminate Colorado, Oakland is worse. And actually, based on expected FIP, which I don't know if that accounts for park difference or not, but based on expected FIP, Oakland is the worst pitching team in Major League Baseball. So yeah, like that's the obvious caveat to all of this. Not just Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s performance, but the performance of the rest of the team, right? A 12-run outing in the series finale. You get a leadoff home run from George Springer, a three-run bomb from Kevin Biggio. You get a lot of power over the course of the weekend that we haven't really seen from the Blue Jays this season. I think if you're nitpicking, or not really nitpicking, but just finding out why this offense hasn't been working, it's because there hasn't been any power. And so on the one hand, you can take this series and this weekend as a very encouraging step forward to saying they found the power, they finally started hitting the ball hard, now let's see them bring it into next series. But of course, the caveat to that is the fact that it is against the Oakland Athletics. So I think those are the kind of the two sides to what's going on here. And you can see it in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with the power, but also facing Oakland pitching. I got to be honest, I believe it. I believe he's back. I I think it's for real. I understand the caveats, and maybe this is more emotion than fact, but I really think he's back. I think it's been too long that he hasn't been hot. He's too good to stay this cold for any longer. I think a lot of this was a mental block, especially not hitting a home run at home. And I think now that he's got it out of the way, now that he's got it off his shoulders, we're going to see some true Vlad performance. And you know what? Maybe you can sit back at the end of the season and say it came too late. You still got two and a half months of bad baseball from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But um, I don't know. I, I'm feeling pretty good that this is for real, that he's back. And I'd love, to, I'd love for that to happen. And I think as long as he continues this as well, I'm going to be right there with you. I'm glad. I mean, like you were talking about, it just feels like his mechanics have kind of corrected themselves and everything like that. So I think that's the really good part about that. And it, again, it just feels like there was a huge sigh of relief off his shoulders uh, when he finally did hit that home run. So, I mean, I'm glad that that pretty much happened. And of course, it's just the fact that the power, I think even even if it wasn't a home run, I'm happy that there was fly, but I'm just happy that there was power hits and everything like that. It wasn't strictly ground balls all the time. And I think that was very important that it was just solid contact all around. Um, and of course, I want to be there right with you and say that this guy is back. And I mean, this team needs him so badly. I mean, we talked about the underperformance, the ups and downs that they've been at. And all of this has come to the fact that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has underperformed. So if he is back, like you have been saying, I mean, it, there's no question that tip, that this team is going to take a step forward, and we all we all we always know, I guess, at this point now as we head into July, that the same issue has just surrounded this team the entire year, and that has been, of course, the extra base hits, the runners with scoring position. So if you factor all that in, and if you can consistently swing the bat well, I mean, this team is going to be a lot better, and they're going to put themselves in a really good stretch uh, for 
pretty much the summer and the later summer months. So I'm hoping, I am hoping that we're there. I'm, I'm there with you by the end of either this homestand at the latest, or and of course, if he does really well against the the Giants this week, hopefully I'm there with you at the next uh, episode that we record. So I just. It, it might not be fair to not be on that train yet, but it's just for me, again, it's just the Oakland A's factor has just really gotten into my head about this. I mean, you just look at this team, and I think there's maybe two people on the team that I pretty much know of, and I'm sure there's only a, a you know, you can only pretty much use one hand of players that you actually know on this team. It's just for me, there's a lot of, you know, I don't want to call it an asterisk because it's not. I mean, it is legit. I just... I need to see more and everything like that. And I do think he has potential to do that. I'm not unconfident that he can't do it. I just think that as long as he continues to bring it uh, these next couple of games throughout this homestand and pretty much, I guess, going into the stretch of the All-Star break, it's going to be perfect. And I think it's going to take a lot of weight off of his shoulders pretty much uh, because we know he's definitely feeling the pressure and everything like that from fans, from social media, everything like that. So I'm just happy that we saw glimpses of it this weekend. And let's keep it up. Yeah, my next question to you is what do you need to see to believe it? Like, if he hits, maybe not a home, multiple home runs, but hits well or hits for some power in this series against San Francisco. San Francisco has a team ERA of 3.93, which is 10th in baseball. Like, is that enough to make you say that Vladdy is back if he does it in this series? I think so. I think that just depending on how everything goes... If we saw what we saw this weekend, I think so. I think that would be enough for me. And if not, I'd probably wait till the end of the Red Sox series. But again, if everything stays the right. course, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to correct a stat that I used earlier, I was looking at only at starter ERA. If you look at team ERA, Oakland is bottom of the barrel. They have a 6.08 team ERA, which is far worse than Colorado. And again, if you rule out Colorado, like I was saying, far worse than the, the next team, the Kansas City Royals, who have an ERA of almost a full run better than Oakland. So, yeah, I mean, just terrible pitching. And not to beat up on Oakland because their fans have been through enough this year and we all know what's going on out there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the caveat to this entire series and the entirety of any good performance that Jays put up is the fact that it's against Oakland. But, I don't know, I, f- I feel... I don't know if confidence is the right word, but very encouraged that this is the new Vladdy, that we see Vladdy back to what he was, a semblance of normal. Um, We've alluded to Friday's game a little bit. Let's talk about it at least a little bit more because, again, we're talking about a very bad team in the Oakland Athletics. This is a game the Blue Jays should have won. Oakland took a 3-0 lead in the first inning. The Blue Jays clawed back and took a 4-3 lead. Um, in the third inning, they give up another run in the fifth. It's tied 4-4, and then disaster strikes in the top of the ninth with Jordan Romano giving up a solo home run, and the Blue Jays losing that game 5-4. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. actually hits a double in the bottom half of the ninth inning with none out to lead off the inning, and you think, okay, great, Vladdy's back, and he's going to score the game-winning run or the game-tying run at least in this game, and then, of course, the Blue Jays can't bring him home despite having three outs to work with. Um... I don't know. What'd you make of this game? What was your kind of frustration level with what went on? I mean, obviously the way it ended, of course, in the ninth inning. But I think before that, I think maybe a little bit more from what you touched on in terms of how the A's got out to that early lead in the first inning. I mean, we talked, we haven't talked about it a lot, I guess, over the last couple of weeks. But Chris Bassett, unfortunately, has not been the same pitcher that he was for the first couple of months of the season. And he's been going through a lot of, I guess, issues just 
with his pit, uh, pitch selection and, of course, everything like that. I mean, he had another rough outing on Friday night. He allowed three runs in the first inning, like you said, and, of course, he didn't go very deep in the game either, and this was kind of one out of many bad starts that he has had over the last, I guess, 14 days, if you really look at it, an ERA of 11.57 over the course of the last 14 days. And then if you want to factor in the rest of the month uh, or earlier in the month, an ERA of 5.60. So June has not been his month, and it felt like, or it feels like, of course, what's been going on, it hasn't really been focused on a lot until, I guess, the last couple of starts, and that is his splits in terms of how he's pitching against righties and then, of course, how he's pitching against lefties. If you really look at his numbers, he's pitching very good against right-handed at-bats. He's allowing an average under 200 and an OPS of 510. If you look at the power against lefties, he's allowing a batting average of 283 with an OPS of 972. I mean, we've been... Splits have been one of our favorite things to do over the last couple of weeks on this pod- podcast, uh, specifically with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. But if you look at these splits here with Bassett in terms of the difference between lefties and righties, I mean, it is crazy how, I guess, different they are from one of uh, one another. And it's kind of similar to what we've been seeing with Vladdy in terms of against one side, it's been very good. And then the other side, it's just been awful. And it feels like he's finally making a change. Chris Bassett, after the game, he kind of... He didn't announce, but he pretty much told the media that it feels like now, uh, throughout his next start through the rotation, he is going to stop pitch or calling pitches um, pretty much throughout his start. So I think, I think first of all, I think it's a, definitely a good move that we're finally going to get away from this. I think this was an adjustment for Chris Bassett coming to a new team using the eight pitches. We saw the struggles early in spring training with it. He seemed to have settled in with it after that. But then as much as it was unique that he was doing it and it was working, I think a part of you always kind of wondered how much longer this would go for. If this was, you know, able to be consistent, the fact that a pitcher is calling his own pitches and throwing his own uh, pitches after that as well. And it's nothing against Chris Bassett, but when you really think about it and all the effort that goes into calling a game now, it's got to be a lot on your plate. And I think that was something that was very, very, or it was focused on a lot uh, throughout what he said throughout his last start. So, I'm fine with it in terms of him deciding to change things up going forward. I mean, why not see how it's like if you have Danny Jansen or Alejandro Kirk or in the case of Tyler Heineman or if he goes on the in the case of Rob Brantley uh, calling the game. I mean, it's going to be coming from the dugout anyway, uh, most likely. I'm willing to see how that's going to go in terms of how it's going to go with just him just throwing the pitches and being told what to throw now. Um, I think it's definitely a change that needs to be made. And when you look at his splits again, it's just against lefties. Unfortunately, it has been a nightmare for him. And other than that, it's just for the pretty much for the month of June, he has not been pitching well. And it's been pretty much, uh, you know, Kevin Gosman and then, of course, Jose Brios and Yusei Kikuchi, who have been pitching very good in the meantime. And they need Chris Bass. We've talked about his importance of it. We have seen it uh, throughout the year in terms of a guy that can pitch deep in a game like it's no tomorrow. And it, he makes it look very easy when he's on his game. So I think for me, that was the most frustrating part. You've talked about how bad Oakland was. I guess they're pitching. I'm sure their offense wasn't far behind in terms of being at the bottom of the charts with that. So going to the game and seeing them being down 3 nothing in the first inning definitely stung. And, of course, the main part or the part that changed the game in the ninth inning what happened where the Blue Jays unfortunately gave up the lead when Jordan Romano came in, and then that was how they lost. I mean, once they gave up that home run, I think we've stated this many times throughout this uh, this season, is that when this team is down, it is very hard for them to come back. So my confidence in in terms of seeing a comeback after that pretty much plummeted to ground zero or pretty much to as deep as the Titanic is in the ocean. So, I mean, that was the problem with me on that one. Um, It was just very frustrating. Like you were talking about, it should have been a sweep. It was frustrating. 
and it's a game that they got they pretty much let get away from them. So I'm glad again they salvaged for two out of three. But there is no question the worst that they could have done, or I'm sorry, the best that they should have done for a team of how good they're supposed to be and how bad of a team Oakland is. It should have been a sweep. You snuck a Titanic reference in there. I see. I mean, everyone is these days, right? <laughs> like it or not, it's um, true. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I thought we were done with the Chris Bassett issues, like the pitch calling issues and pitch com and all those sorts of things, because we know it was an issue with him earlier this season. And that's kind of what we blamed over his first few starts when he struggled. It was pitch com. It was him and the Blue Jays trying to negotiate and trying to figure out how to have this guy who throws six, seven, eight pitches and have him call pitches or use pitch com or have the, the cat, like how can he shake off with the pitch clock? Like it was a mess trying to figure that out. And so once he had that stretch of dominance, I thought he had figured it out, but apparently it's not totally water under the bridge yet. And so the Blue Jays are still kind of fiddling and trying to figure out what works. And um, I don't know, like I, it's going to happen. I think earlier this season, I was really, really frustrated that they hadn't figured it out because it was coming right out of spring training and they knew what the rules were going to be. But I'm kind of just confused now by the fact that they had figured it out and now it's a problem again. And now they're going back to him, not calling his own pitches. And I don't know. I'm kind of confused by it. I hope Chris Bassett can get back to whatever he was doing right over the course of those, whatever it was, eight starts maybe where he was absolutely dominant, including as we will never forget a complete game shutout, um, just absolutely dominant. And so you hope he can get back to that. And I, again, I'm kind of confused with what really changed. I don't know what the difference is for him, but obviously something's changed and maybe it's the catcher. Like maybe, maybe it's that side of things that's been fiddled around. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I'm kind of confused by what's going on there. Um, speaking of catching, the Blue Jays may be walking into a very, very rough situation catching-wise. Um, Alejandro Kirk on the injured list, and then Tyler Heineman apparently appearing to be injured in this series. So the Blue Jays may be down to their fourth-string catcher, who is, as far as we know, Rob Brantley. Uh, if it comes to that, if the Blue Jays have to call him up from AAA, uh, not a lot of depth in that uh, that department, that position. And of course, the issues, the concerns go beyond just what's coming out of the catcher position. It's beyond just the offense. It's a defense as well and managing a pitching staff. And just what we mentioned with Chris Bassett, the concern is that when you bring up a guy like Rob Brantley, who, you know, he got some reps in spring training, but largely overall isn't experienced catching these guys, doesn't know these pitchers, what happens when you have to throw them out there? You know, best case scenario, once every five days, you're still fiddling around with a pitcher he doesn't know. Um, and so that's a concern there. Hopefully Tyler Heineman is healthy, as we've talked about. Heineman has been relatively solid as a third-string catcher, as a backup, backup catcher. Um and, I mean, you just hope that he's healthy. It's not a great situation for the Blue Jays to be in, or you hope Alejandro Kirk comes back from the injured list as soon as possible. Um, let's stick with pitching for a second. Yusei Kikuchi, Jose Barrios, both had really, really good starts in this series. Yes, they deserve a round of applause. Again, the caveat is it's the Oakland Athletics. I don't have the splits in front of me, but I know the Oakland Athletics offense has been pretty terrible, but both those guys had really good starts. It was. I think the highlight for me, as much as Barrios has been just on a roll consistently, for me, it was Yusei Kikuchi, what we saw this weekend. I mean, 
I think it was until I think it was the last time in August of 2021 where he finally went seven innings. I mean, he finally was able to get past that threshold. And it was funny, after the sixth inning, right, the first thing he did, I'm sure you saw this, was he was looking at the dugout right away and said one more. And I'm glad that they let him go out there and do it. Of course, they had the insurance runs, but we have known that John Schneider so far this year has liked to pull Yusei Kikuchi basically at the sixth inning at the latest uh, on a really good start from him. And there's also been times this year where he has been pulled early and he's been frustrated. I mean, there was one start a couple, I guess a couple weeks ago where he was pulled early and you can see that he was frustrated in the dugout. So he has been praying and just begging to almost go, you know, go to that seventh inning uh, threshold. And again, I know it was Oakland, but this is something that has pretty much been a reflection of his entire season. And that's the difference for me when you talk about stuff at the beginning with Vladdy and then Barrios and Gucci. These guys, for the most part, have already been good. And they have been so good. I mean, let's talk about Alec Manoa in terms of being uh, not even with the team right now. Let's talk about Chris Bassett being a roller coaster. And yes, confusion is a very good word to use uh, in terms of what's been going on. If it wasn't for Barrios and Kikuchi both bouncing back, it would be pretty rough shape right now for the starting rotation. We've talked about the depth. Everybody knows it's terrible uh, to be as nice to the as respectful as possible to what's been going on in AAA Buffalo. So if these two guys didn't bounce back like they have, I mean, you can pretty much just imagine the chaos that would be at this team right now in terms of just scrambling for anybody and I feel like you'd have to no choice but to go externally to just find somebody that can give you some quality innings so luckily they have not had to do that this year because of the fact that Kikuchi and Barrios have been good and then when you want to touch on Jose Barrios as well pitching in the series I mean it was the same old from him I mean he was he was dominant in terms of what we've been seeing from his stuff I mean a couple hard hit balls and I think there was one inning that he had in the start where he was giving up some deep fly balls, but after that, he really corrected himself, and he went six six innings, struck out eight. I think that's the other thing is that the impressive thing for me is that the strikeouts have also come back up in terms of Barrios bouncing back, ERA at 360, and that's kind of where Barrios has always settled when he's been pitching very good, and it's really good that he's been down that low. We've talked about Yusei Kikuchi, I mean, for the first time, pitching this dominant uh, and consistently. I mean, another guy with an ERA below four. That was one of the predictions early on in the season if he was going to have an ERA above or below four. And, I mean, he's been below four too, and it's been nothing but impressive what you've seen from both of these guys. It's kind of just adding on to what they've been doing this year as much as it was the A's. They looked confident. They were dominant. Very similar numbers uh, to what Barrios did with Kikuchi. I mean, Kikuchi struck out eight as well. Only gave up a couple hits. Gave up his first hit in the middle inning. So for the first time, and for the first time through that order, he was perfect uh, for the most part. Or, you know, didn't give up a hit, or at least at that point. So I'm glad that that was been happening. And of course, these guys have also been stepping up on the fact that the off days have been very helpful for this team, that they've been able to just use a four-man rotation. They've been able to get by and kind of skip that bullpen day as much as they can as they await the return of Alec Manoa whenever that will be, or at least to the trade deadline, whenever that will be in terms of who might be coming in. Uh, and they've been really been holding their ground, and they've been very confident. So they're both going to get uh, another start throughout this homestand. Some's going to start against the Giants, and then another's going to start against the Red Sox. You're expecting good things from them. They have been pretty much dominant for ma- majority of the year, and you can't see enough of where this team would be if it wasn't for both of these guys bouncing back. I mean... You just go back to the conversations that you had earlier in the season. If you had to choose, who would you be more confident in with the bounce back? That kind of felt like that was more of the popular question. And I don't think, of course, there was a select few who have predicted it, but not a lot of people were predicting both of them 
to bounce back and to bounce back at the level that they've been at in terms of ERA below four, strikeouts through the roof, going the distance in games. I mean, Kikuchi, that was the common problem last year, is that he couldn't go even pretty much close to the fifth inning for majority of his starts. And then Jose Brios would be getting lit up early left, right, and center. So they have excelled expectations. They have been a very important piece of this ball club. Both guys are respected through the roof in that clubhouse. You can see it. And they're both having a very fun time playing the game they love again, which is also really good to see. Okay, sticking with pitching. Let's go sweet relief for the first time in a little bit because we weren't very happy with how the Jays were playing before this. We didn't really have much in the way of standouts. Uh, My question to you is for the month of June, which Blue Jays reliever has the highest wins above replacement as measured by fan graphs? The highest wins above replacement. I'm going to go... I'm going to go Trevor Richards. No. Really? If it's not Trevor Richards... Richards is actually quite low on this list. I don't is know he why. really? He's 12th. That's surprising because he's been opening, pitchers. right? That's why That's why yeah. I did that, because he's been pretty much pitching the most. Um, is it Tim Mesa um, or Eric Swanson? Trevor Richards' uh, FIP is 6.44, so that would okay, be why. So I think Fangraphs uses little FIP elevated. to measure um, what was your What was your guess? I was going to say Mazer or Swanson, one of those two. Okay, it's Swanson. Okay. Uh, he's number one. He has a point four wins above replacement in the month of June. Um, he's been really, really good. Uh, one of the Blue Jays' best relievers in the month of June. The other one that you mentioned is Tim Meza. Of course, Meza has yet to give up a run in the month of June. Um, Swanson has given up one. Uh, so, I mean... Take those stats as you wish, but I'm choosing Swanson for this series and for the month of June as well, just because Swanson has longer outings. Like That's kind of the criticism of Tim Meza. He's very effective when he is used, but you look at the innings pitched, he's at 7.1 this inning. Eric Swanson is at uh, 7.1 this month. Eric Swanson is at 10.2, so you can see the comparison there. But yeah, Eric Swanson this series had a very good appearance back in Friday's game before everything went to hell. It was lining up very nicely for the Blue Jays' Eric Swanson. Comes out in the eighth inning, tosses an inning, strikes out the side, doesn't allow a base runner. Exactly what you want from a reliever. And then, of course, Jordan Romano comes in and things fall apart. But Eric Swanson deserves a shout-out for that performance and how he's performed the rest of the season. Um, Before we get to predictions for this series against the San Francisco Giants, do you have anything else you want to touch on from this series? I guess I'll just relate it to the sweet relief. I mean, the jokes are very short-lived, but it feels like... Like, there's no such thing as jinxing anymore with this. I mean, so far, so good. Of course, it's risky that I'm doing this right now, but I'd like to give ourselves a pat on the back that, I mean, we've been acknowledging those relievers, and so far, so good. They've been maintaining their good performances. Again, I feel like it's a little bit of a risk doing that, but, I mean, it's just, I mean, we, we've talked about it tons of times in terms of how important Swanson's been to this team, how guys like Mesa have been very good. I mean, I talked about it in terms of my first guest, Richards. Now, being that guy that's kind of holding down the fort, in Alec Manoa's spot in terms of being an opener. I'm sure he's going to be involved at some to some sort uh, on Saturday on Canada Day when it's, it is going to have to be a bullpen day in terms of the turn through the rotation. So, I mean, as much as it was definitely some question marks with some of these guys entering the year, and of course, by that I'm referring more to Richards, these guys have really stepped up. And I mean, I think that's also a very, it's a very crucial part, a very relevant part to, you know, acknowledge that, uh, that a guy that probably was on thin ice entering the year, has been able to solidify himself in this bullpen so far. And then, of course, Eric Swanson just showing why and why that, unfortunately, as much as the Jays lost a lot of power in that trade, 
it was relevant and it was necessary to bring this guy in to hold the fort late in games. I mean, it's been talked about too many times, and I'm glad that, um, I mean, they've been acknowledged again. Mark, I was going to suggest, too, maybe going forward, you keep track of all the sweet relief awards to see who's in the lead. By my hunch, I think Swanson is in the lead, and I'm going to guess Mays is a close second, but I think Swanson has definitely been leading the way so far since you've introduced sweet relief. Yeah, I think Swanson has it. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of just a very arbitrary award that we give out when we feel someone deserves it. So I don't know. I don't I don't think it's a good measure of a pitcher's success this season. But yeah, I mean, uh, the Blue Jays bullpen has been, knock on wood, very solid as of late. And of course, there's been the occasional blow up with Romano. Uh, but I mean, overall, it's been good times. Um, okay, three game series against the San Francisco Giants. Um, it looks like I think the probables are a little bit funky right now, but it looks like it's going to be Gosman Tuesday, Barrios Wednesday, Bassett Thursday, if I'm right in that. Um, I don't know. Do you want to get your prediction in first? Yeah, I mean, when you look at that, of course, the off day is going to factor into what you were talking about, so it will be Gosman, Bassett, Barrios. If you look at the Giants, I don't know if it's announced, but it looks like it's going to be at some sorts Ryan Walker, Logan Webb, and a familiar face on Thursday. Uh, in Ross Stripling. Of course, that can change. We still don't know for sure, but that's what at least Fangraphs is telling us in terms of who's going to be going um, throughout this series. It's going to be a cool homecoming for Ross Stripling. And of course, we mentioned it off the top. The Giants have been playing very good baseball lately as well. And I mean, they've put themselves in a very good spot. They're 8-2 and two over the last 10, currently in the second wild card spot. In contention with the Miami Marlins right now. That's crazy for me to see the Marlins that high up anyways. But I mean, with the Giants, they've been playing very good. I do think the Jays, and for your sake with Vladdy and everything like that, they've got to be gaining momentum right now. I'm going to go with the series win. Uh, I think they do that. I will say that they win. I think they win game one, uh, and they win. I'm going to say they. I'm, I'm going to say they win game one and game three. They go two and one. So they're going to win the Gosman game, and then they win the Barrios game. Okay, interesting. Um, wait, Barrios is pitching game three or game two? Uh, game three because Bassett's gonna go game two. Okay, the site I and was looking at because of the off day, right. it's four men, right? So right, yeah. the site. Um, I don't know what website I was using. Some website I never used, <laughs> so I don't trust anyway. Fantasypros.com had Bassett okay. on Thursday and uh, Bre- or TBD on Wednesday. I thought it was Brios. Okay, so um, I thought I was gonna be different than you because I had the wrong probables, but now I'm just gonna go the exact same as you. Win game one, win game three, lose a Bassett start. Uh, I don't know. As, as Gosman's been pitching well, Barrios has been pitching well, Bassett hasn't, and I think Vladdy's got it in him to keep up that hot streak. And so I think the Jays win this series against a good team. Um, this is kind of what we're talking about. They start to slowly get back on track. They had a soft place to land. They turn things around. They win this series. And now there's a little bit of wind in their sails, a little bit of emotion, a little bit of feel good times, especially with Vladdy heating up. So I think things are trending in the right direction. Um, we don't have a guess from Jacob, but we'll get it and put it in the spreadsheet. He, um, he was the same. Oh, the same as us two. So it looks like we're going wow. all the same. He did mention right when we started. Too bad okay. he wasn't able to make it, but he did say when game and game game one and three, if I'm not there to say it. There you go. So nothing changes. No <laughs> nothing what changes. Happened, yeah. The standings stay the same. So I mean, I can tell you the standings right now and the standings as they're gonna be sitting on Friday or Thursday night, because nothing's gonna change. Um 
Bryson, you and I both predicted a sweep, so we tie with one additional point this weekend. Jacob actually got the series right. He said two and one. He said they would lose game three, so he didn't get a perfect score of four points, but he does get three points. That's got to be a for first. Doing it for game right. Uh, yeah, I don't it know. It feels like it is. Is that the first time uh, he actually got it? Like no, he... okay, so he... Back when the Jays played the Brewers, May 30th to June 1st, oh, he got, got the series that, okay. right. But w- both of us got the series perfect. We both got ah, four points because we yeah. predicted which game the Blue Jays would lose. He got three points because he predicted it wrong. Uh, that may have been... So he actually um, came first this time. It looked okay, and then Mariner series in April, White Sox series in April. So it's been a while. <laughs> Yankee series in April, and then a couple of series. I mean... Tigers, Angels, early April. So, so it's, it's been he's two had months. a couple. He's had a yeah. couple, but it's been a while. Uh, but yeah, he gains points. So now Bryson is in the lead at 46. I'm in second at 43. And Jacob is now only 16 points back at 30 points on the season. Um, and again, things are going to stay the exact same point differential for next week. But um, regardless, we're looking forward to this series Against the Giants, it's going to be a fun homestand to continue into Canada Day weekend. As always, you can support our podcast by just going to the links below this episode. We have YouTube, we have Apple Podcasts, we have Spotify. You can find us wherever you listen. You can donate to our podcast at our Buy Us Coffee page. You can join our Discord. You can leave us a rating and review wherever you listen, which just helps support our podcast as well. And with that, series against the San Francisco Giants. We'll catch you next time. Don't know what train he's on Won't you tell me where he's gone